Hey, Marie, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I am uh, doing great. So last time we both had kind of a couple of big things coming up. Uh, how was your trip? How was your time away? It was fantastic. It was just a weekend trip with some friends. So there were six of us in total. We just got an Airbnb, went down to the beach, just had a nice house with some nice views and super relaxing, got out, did a lot of walking, did a lot of eating. And I also did a little bit of work as well, but it was <laughs> fine. It was very productive actually, because the work itself is time boxed in a way, because you know that you're going to be doing all this other fun stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, I only have two hours now and I need to do as much as I can in that two hours. There's no, there was no wasted time. So I think in a way I was probably just as productive on that weekend as I was like any other weekend I was doing work because it was so focused. I, I want to do more of this type of thing because um, you don't realize how much you need it until you do it, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Walking along the beach or just seeing the horizon, like looking out to sea and seeing that horizon just was so good for from a mental health perspective. It just felt, I just felt very light and very sort of lifted. Nowadays, everyone's working from home a lot. I feel like I don't get out as much. So because I don't get out as much, I'm not really seeing the nature side of things. And I'm certainly not seeing the horizon as much. So this, this trip was great because the house that we got was on stilts. It was very, very high up, elevated. And it wasn't too expensive either because there were six of us. So we just got this massive house, split it six ways. And yeah, that's nice. We just brought food and we did a cook up and yeah, great. It was It was fantastic. It reminds me, I do like... I try to do it twice a year, but I do at least once a year where I do kind of a personal retreat where I mm -hmm. rent an Airbnb and I just sort of like hang out for, you know, usually like two or three days and just sort of like kind of reflect on what I've been doing thus far and then sort of plan like picking like themes for the next year or things like that, sort of like general ideas for what I'm going to do. But I'm not doing like, yeah, I'm not working on like all my side projects and stuff like that. I have this like very overall like generalized sort of intention of like where do I want to be in a year and like all that sort of stuff and it really helps being kind of disconnected from everything else and just like you know like I don't have the kids that I'm you know that are have their own things going on that I have to get involved in and I don't have to worry about anyone else's meal time I'm just sort of like alone for a couple of days to really just sort of like clear everything out and just like say how have things gone and where do mm -hmm. I want them to go in the future? And I, I find it, I, it's only been a few years that I've been doing that. And it's so, it's like one of the most valuable parts of the year. Mm. Highly, highly recommend uh, those uh, sorts of personal retreats. So you do that twice a year, you said? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't done it consistently every, mm -hmm, I do mm -hmm. it at least once a year. And I think, did I, I didn't do it this, I don't think I did it this year because we had like a big family trip instead, but usually I do it around December or January. And then yeah, perfect. I think once or twice I've also done it in the summer. I like the planning angle because uh, recently I went to a co-working space to do a planning session mm -hmm. and that was good as well. But I think an actual retreat sounds, you know, 10 times better. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Last time we spoke, you were working on your course. That's finished now. How did that all go? It went great. So yeah, we had the working with ADHD workshop. We, we never were sure whether to call it a workshop or a course. We called it a workshop because mm. it was in the weekend. I think people think course and normally that is like an ongoing thing. And so we called it a workshop, but it's basically kind of the same thing. But whatever you call it, uh, it went really well. I think we got a lot of really positive response. Um, we, we did. I think we talked last time out how I was 
thinking like, oh, we should probably do a survey at the end. And I haven't done that yet. So we did do that. And the feedback we got was really helpful and kind of helped highlight things that we already knew were like, oh, here's a few things that we think are going to be good. And it was like, yeah, they were. People really enjoyed the breakout sessions, for example. Like that was where they really felt like they were, you know, getting to connect with other people and like other like-minded people. And Mm -hmm. so that went really well. The one thing mostly that we got feedback that they wished were different was more of the breakout sessions or more like meeting more than just that weekend. Like they wanted to be able to see each other more. Oh, wow. So like immediately after the session ended, um, like somebody posted in the Slack and was like, so same time next week uh, because (laughs) people, you know, really like enjoyed each other's company and they really enjoyed like getting to hang out and talk with people without the fear of like judgment. I think that people with ADHD, you get when you're around people that are neurotypical, Uh, not that people need to be judgmental, but it's just, they don't understand the way that other ADHDers understand. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So the workshop itself went really well, feel really good about the content we did. And then it's been really fascinating. I know we talked a ton last week, just about kind of like community stuff. So it's been really interesting seeing how that's been going on since then. We have the Slack group and that has people have been active in there. Not everybody, probably, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't counted, but I'd say probably kind of half the people that were in the course have kind of dropped off, but the other half are kind of like posting every day or so. And so there's definitely ongoing community happening in that Slack group. Mm-hmm. And then the shelfful groups have been really fascinating to watch, really interesting. I think we have eight or nine groups And I'm in all of the groups. So I have like a Google number, a Google voice number that's connected in there so that I can sort of see what's happening. And it did take people a little bit to warm up, um, which was my experience when I used Shelpful earlier this year. Like at first, it's like, this is a little bit weird. But like by day two, people are like, oh, cool, this person's going to check in with me. I'm going to kind of share my intentions for the day or some things I want to get done, or just like, hey, I'm struggling to drink water. Can you remind me? Mm-hmm. And the shelper in there is like sending him little reminders like, hey, you said you were going to do this yesterday. Do you have a chance to do that? But in very like positive, encouraging sort of way. Mm-hmm. So people have been, for the most part, really active in those shelfful groups. So I'm super curious to see how long that lasts because we've been doing it. So we're on like day four of that right now. And thus far, they're looking pretty active. So we'll see kind of how those look in a couple of weeks. And right now we have it set up to go four weeks and then we will end it. Mm-hmm. But if people are still super active, then we might look into maybe maybe we want to keep this going for another four weeks or something to explore, you know, probably in a couple of weeks when we have a little bit more data on how it's going. That sounds good. Yeah, it was super great learning experience. And I'm also really glad that I'm done because there's just that stress of this upcoming thing. And then I did that and now it's in the past. And then I had I had another thing. I don't remember if I talked about this on the podcast, but I was speaking at a company and I did that earlier this week as well. So I did like an hour long talk oh, wow. for like a company. They were doing like their kind of, they do like a monthly neurodiversity awareness sort of thing, which is super cool. So they've had a few other speakers and then they wanted this month to specifically be ADHD. So I got to do a talk there and that was sort of my other big looming deadline. And now they're in the past, both of those big looming deadlines are in the past and I feel much uh, more relaxed. <laughs> yeah, I love that feeling when you've kind of, you got two big hurdles and you've kind of, that sort of relief you get after that. I am almost at that point. So I have one big <laughs> hurdle that I've been working on for a few weeks now. 
I feel like I've talked about it on some previous episodes as well, maybe not in detail, but I've definitely mentioned like I'm working on the onboarding sequence for Llama Life. The whole reason I'm working on onboarding is because it's sort of similar to what you said with people falling away with, say, the shelpful group that you've got. There's always going to be people who start really active and then the retention curve goes down. So that's definitely something I think all products, workshops, accountability groups face. And we definitely have that with Llama Life as well. So people get super excited when they sign up. In the first seven days, 14 days, you can see the retention curve is always going to go down. That's what a retention curve is, right? But we're trying to improve the slope of the curve. We want the curve to be as flat as possible. You don't want a sharp curve because that means you've lost people very, very quickly. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know what I mean? So um, basically we figured out like in the first seven days, there's a lot of excitement around the product. And there's also a free trial in the first seven days where you've got access to all of the paid features. So you can go nuts and try everything out. And then, you know, obviously from a business perspective, we want people to upgrade and, and pay for the um, the paid plan in that first seven days. So one way to help with that is to improve the onboarding. We also got feedback. Look, a lot of people didn't realize that there were certain features in the app. Maybe they were buried in the settings of the app. The way that I know that they don't know is because we'd get emails going, hey, have you guys thought about adding this feature? And we're like, well, actually, it already exists, <laughs> but it's in settings and you have to turn it on. Right. Part of the onboarding sequence is to surface some of those features and highlight those features and tell people you know, where to find them in the app. I think why it's been challenging for me is because I don't really see it as a feature per se. Mm. I see it as an onboarding sequence, but it still is kind of a feature, I suppose. I love creating new things. And I think in my mind, onboarding is not really a new thing. It's a done thing. That said, I think that's the wrong way to look at it. You can still make the onboarding unique and fun. And that's what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. But underneath, I'm still thinking it's, oh, it's just onboarding. You know, <laughs> I'm probably not giving it the credit it deserves only because I'm comparing it to building like a new feature where I'm like, okay, a new feature would be something very unique and I can get super creative about it because it's my own product and I can guide exactly what I want it to do. Whereas with onboarding, I feel slightly more restricted because I know it's an onboarding flow and an onboarding flow is always going to have sort of a sequence to it. There's going to be some tool tips. There's going to be things pointing to different parts of the app. So you are restricted in some ways, but also trying to add some creativity on top of that. I've been working on it for a few weeks now, not the whole time. I sort of go off and on. I come back to it every now and again, mm -hmm. but it's almost done. So I think next time we chat, so next week, hopefully I can start the, the chat going, I've done it, we've done it, it's finished, <laughs> it's out there and it doesn't have to be perfect and we'll probably iterate on it over time, but the main part of it is there and it will be interesting to see if it helps to improve the retention curve mm -hmm. and to see if we get let, like fewer emails on you know requests for different features that already exist so i guess that's my intention next week it'll be done but it's just something that's been kind of a little bit of a hurdle for me i'll be very relieved once it's once it's over i know you've said before with llama life that uh, when people sign up for it that Usually you've said like people quickly know whether or not they're going to like it. So like people will either drop off kind of immediately or they stick with it for a long time. Mm -hmm. So are you, I imagine you're kind of hoping that doing something like this will catch some of those other people and so that they maybe give it a little bit more time because part of that may, you know, that, that drop off could be that 
they don't know what they're looking at. They start it and they're like, I don't actually know how to use this mm -hmm. or what value is here. And so I'm just going to kind of bounce quickly. I think it will help with some of those people, but there's still always going to be the people where they're like, no, it's not, it's not for me. Right. Yeah. It's quite polarizing, I think, as a product. It, it definitely is. Like we do have a sharp drop off at the beginning. And that is, like you said, the people where they're like, no, this is definitely not for me. And that is 100% fine because we're not building a product for everyone. We're building a product for people that require a certain sort of focus and need help with focus. Mm -hmm. So that is 100% fine. But I think another reason why we get a sharp drop off is because there is no credit card required to try the product. And I think that's actually really important because if a credit card was required to sign up, which a lot of um, subscription products, they request that at the beginning, that puts a, a natural barrier in place that makes someone think twice about whether they want to try it or not. Because Llama Life does not have that, you know, I would expect a sharper drop-off because the, the barrier to trying the product is very, very low friction. It's just sign up. You do need to put an email address in because we do need to create an account for you. Right. We need to send you like, you know, the welcome email. If there's changes in the terms and conditions, we need an email to contact you to say, hey, something's changed. So right. we try and take the bare minimum. It's literally just like you put your name in and you put your email address in and that is it. And then you're in, you've got access to the product. I think because of that, there's so low friction that we do get a lot of people signing up and just dropping away. That said, you know, for the people that, think the product is for them or they're sort of thinking twice like this could be for me then I'm hoping the onboarding will help convince those people right right within the first seven days that this is kind of yeah this is something that can help you and check it out it's a hard one we've mentioned this before but because it's a productivity tool you know half the product is also the customer the customer has to be the one to actually use the tool and on top of that do the work so if you put in a task you know today I need to write some content for my workshop. If the customer doesn't write the content, then they're going to feel like the tool didn't really help them. Mm -hmm. It's hard because it's not, it's not something where you click a button and something's done for you. You still have to do some work in order to complete the process of having something done. So that's, that's why I think it's a little bit, it's a productivity tools are super hard. And obviously yeah. <laughs> there are so many productivity tools on the market. You kind of, it's very, very crowded space. So you do need to have something that's a little bit different and unique to stand out. And, you know, I hope that Llama Life is that because we try and make it very fun to use, but it's a very, very tough space to launch a product. We didn't talk about this beforehand, but I'm kind of thinking of maybe taking a left turn here because something you said reminded me. Um, so you're talking about like, yeah, people signing up and like sort of like when you when you're paying for something or even when just like your credit cards in there and you've done more of that like initial investment it's more likely for you to be invested and kind of take the time to get more involved into an app or whatever it is mm -hmm. speaking of like the payment method i know you talked before about how like the idea of companies maybe paying for like their employees to use the product or something like that and so yeah. i was i was Remembering that because also like Trina and I, after we did our workshop, we found out from a couple of people that were in the workshop that said, hey, our company paid for this. Uh, they paid for us to be here. And so for us, it was like, oh, we didn't even really like I think we wrote a little thing on the website that maybe sort of suggested that, but we really didn't put that much thought into it. Yeah. And now it's something that we're sort of considering more like, should we pull that thread to see if basically, you know, marketing to companies more so than kind of individuals 
because like I feel like as a customer, I under, understand an individual more than a company. But companies, just from a financial perspective, are a lot more willing to kind of pay for things like that. So it's something we're sort of very much early on thinking about. And like, is that something we should explore or not? And right now I have no idea. Like I said, very early. But I wonder if you, have you looked into that anymore? Because I know it's something you've yeah. mentioned in the past. It's a really interesting topic. So on the Llama Life website, I have something similar. It's basically like right under the pricing section. It says something like tip. Uh, you may be able to expense Llama Life as, mm. you know, part of a work from home kind of tool set up thing. I don't know if that works or not. There's no way for me to measure that. Right. You don't have to click on it or anything. Like it's just a little line on the page that says that. So that's one way I was exploring it. The other way was I've done some talks at various companies about productivity and also just my journey as somebody with ADHD and how I taught myself to learn to code and the whole journey about Llama Life to date. I guess it can be kind of like an inspirational, motivational talk as well. But I did a couple of presentations for companies on that. And I was kind of hoping as part of that, we could create some kind of um, partnership or deal where the company might buy 10 licenses or that's probably too small. It probably should be something like 20, 30, 40 licenses of the product and try it out. It didn't work though. <laughs> it was very, very hard. So I'll tell you the barrier that I came up against. In order to create some kind of deal with a, a larger company, you have to be an approved vendor. So you'd have mm -hmm. to be set up in their system as a vendor. There's quite a few things you need to tick in order for that to happen. And you also need somebody within the company that's willing to do that for you on your behalf. Mm -hmm. And the people that are organizing, that organize the talk, that's not their main job. Like their main job was something else. It's not to bring in vendors for the business and um, organize, you know, deals and stuff. So what happened was there's just too many people involved. Like the people that organized the talk were, were not the same people that I would have had to talk to to create some kind of partnership or deal. Right. Yeah. And it just got very, you know, like they said, oh, we could introduce you, but it's just not that easy. Everyone's really busy and in their mind, we're probably just too small. So what I did to get around it was I said, okay, well, we don't have to be set up like officially as a vendor. Why don't you just buy some coupon codes? And the coupon codes will give your employees 100% off the product, but you just pay for the coupon codes and you can just dish them out and distribute them however you want. Maybe you, you use it as a prize. Maybe there's a particular team that are struggling at the moment that might want to use it. We don't really mind how you use it. You just pay for the coupon codes and we'll give you like a printed off a nice voucher. So it had, you know, the Llama Life brand, it had the, the Llama, the Meditating Llama, which is on the website. Mm -hmm. And then it just had a coupon code. So all they have to do, they sign up, they put the coupon code in, they get 100% off the price and then th that's it. They're all good. So I did it that nice. way. Mm -hmm. But interestingly, not all the coupon codes have been used. So I think this is a targeting problem. I think it's an audience problem, right? So this enterprise company paid for the codes. From a financial perspective, great. Like, you know, they paid that. But from a user perspective, the users didn't redeem the codes. So only half, I think half the codes were, were used. I don't know what happened to the other half. But I think it was a, a case of... Like, that's not the right audience. Like, they didn't need the product. Right. Mm -hmm. They weren't an ADHD audience. They may, they may have been some people with ADHD in that audience, but the talk was not about ADHD specifically. It was just a talk about productivity. Mm -hmm. I think it was just not targeted properly, which is super important because if it's not targeted properly, it's wasted effort. Mm -hmm. That said, I did learn a lot about working with enterprise and companies and how hard <laughs> it is to kind of get in in the door with them. 
The other thing to consider, it depends on the type of product you have. Llama Life is a consumer product, so we didn't face this, but I have a friend who has a company, basically like a chatbot startup, and they create chatbots for enterprise companies. So if you don't really know where to start, like you're an enterprise company, they'll actually create the whole chat flow. They have a platform where you can like really easily go in there and just change things up and then you launch your chatbot. They had a lot of trouble at the beginning because the enterprise company required like all these different regulations to be ticked off, <laughs> like data security, like where are you storing the data? Like, do you meet these certain requirements? Like they had bare minimum standards that they had to meet. And I, I think my friend said something like they had to spend $100,000 <laughs> getting all the requirements like in order before they could even talk to this company. And his startup is in a different stage to Llama Life, so they could afford to do that. But I was just like, well, you basically don't go straight into enterprise. It's very, very difficult to do that. The only maybe exception is if it's a place that you used to work at before you left to do your own startup and you have connections there, maybe that could help. Or you're doing some kind of consulting gig with the enterprise company and because you're doing a consulting gig with them, you kind of know people there. But I think you have to know people right, there. You right. can't just approach it's very hard just to cold, <laughs> cold kind of approach an enterprise company and say, let's do some business together. It's just, it's not that easy. I think you've uh, <laughs> in, intentionally or not successfully talked me uh, out of that. I think I, <laughs> I I glossed over in my brain the idea of uh, just the bureaucracy that is kind of involved in all that. Yeah, like yeah, the idea it. that, that's oh, it. the person I'm talking to. They may love what we're talking about, but they don't have the ability to actually mm -hmm. pull the trigger on anything. Like that's somebody above them. Exactly. And then, yeah, paperwork and all the regulation or whatever it has to be. And it's like, oof, like there may be more money there, but I'm so driven by passion that I am not going to be passionate about chasing that down, trying to make that happen at all. So yeah, that's it. It's, it's the bureaucracy. Yeah, the bureaucracy just sounds like the least interesting thing in the world to me, even knowing that there probably is more money there. And like, I'm sure if you chase it down, like once you kind of figure that stuff out, it can become a lot easier. But man, I just do not have much interest in figuring that stuff out, like at all. The other thing is, so I love consumer products because you can actually interact with your customers one-on-one. -on -one. So I get so many emails from customers. I reply to their emails and I can, I can see the direct impact that the product has on them. That's very, very fulfilling and rewarding for me. But if I had a contract through a larger company, I might not actually see the direct impact mm -hmm. because there'd be one thing in between us. There'd be the company in between. That totally makes sense. And it also makes me think as I'm just sort of like evaluating it on the fly as you're bringing these things up, I'm realizing like one of the things that made the workshop really successful is that everybody there was like, excited to be there like they chased it down personally like it wasn't like their boss told them you should go to this thing or anything like that it was like they really sought it out and so like everyone there was really mm -hmm. like excited and passionate and when we did the breakout rooms everyone was like involved and so it, like that was really yep. important to what made it like what made it work what made people really enjoy it so yeah, that's another thing to uh, really consider. Definitely, because if someone tells you, if your boss tells you, you have to go to this workshop, it immediately becomes less appealing. Yeah. <laughs> but if I say, hey, I would love to go, that is a completely different mindset. And it is, it's a bit similar with Llama Life in that if I choose to purchase this product to help myself, 
that's a different mindset to my boss saying, hey, you're not productive, so we want you to use this product. Mm. I would feel offended, I think, like if my mm. boss told me, hey, we think you're struggling, like maybe you should use this product to help you focus. I'd be like, immediately there'd be a wall that comes up in my brain and said, would say like, you know, I don't need it. Right. It's Yeah, it's, yeah, uh-huh. it's very... It's just the positioning of it and how you get introduced to the product makes all the difference. Like, is it your choice or is it being forced on you? I certainly wouldn't want to force it on anybody. They, I would want someone to go to the website and say, I feel like this is a product for me. It feels really fun and friendly. And I'm going to make the choice that I, I would like to try it myself to help myself, not that I'm being told I need help. It's such a, mm-hmm. oh, it's a big difference. Yeah, yeah. So I think we are running a little bit late as we normally are. We haven't gotten to everything we were going to talk about, but now is probably a good time to wrap it up. A couple of weeks ago, I had talked about how um, I didn't love the language of making commitments because it kept feeling like every week we were like, oh, I failed on my commitment. And that didn't feel great. Uh, We did have one person that uh, replied, uh, Amy Smith, and she suggested using intention for the week, which I do like that uh, because I think intention is more in line like it's something that i want that i'm intending to do and the podcast kind of providing the accountability for that because i always have really good intentions but then there's no accountability so i never follow up on the thing Mm -hmm. but with the podcast kind of like we're setting those intentions kind of declaring them so that uh yeah so that we can have accountability and we're not always going to complete the intention but at least we have the accountability to be kind of reminded like oh yeah this is what i wanted to work on this week So I'll go ahead and list my intention for the week. So like I said, I'm really glad that I got that the workshop is kind of, even though it's still like the community stuff is running, the the bulk of it is in the past now. And that talk that I was working on are in the past. So for me, what I really need to get back to is uh, my book. Because I think I've, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I've been kind of telling people that ask me about it. It's like 80% done, but it feels like there's still 80% to go um, because there's just kind of, all these unknowns uh, coming that need to be done before I can publish it. And so I really need to get back into a regular habit with that so I can finish writing, finish editing. And um, I've actually hired an editor to take a look at it, kind of do like a manuscript review in a few weeks. And so I frantically need to do a lot more work on the book before I can send it off to them. So I do have that looming deadline. My intention for the week is to spend some real time like working on the book so that it's more prepared for sending it off to that editor. What about you? You've talked about onboarding. So maybe onboarding is your intention, but uh, is there Mm -hmm. anything else or anything specific there? I love the word intention as well. Onboarding is something that should be done by the next time we speak. And we're also hoping to run a few competitions for Llama Life. Mm. So this kind of goes back to trying to engage people in the first seven days what what we're thinking is um, when you complete a task in the first seven days, maybe tweet about it and we might have a hashtag running where we, we just go and look for these specific tweets about the wins people have. They're kind of small wins, but small, I would say small, big wins. So it might be something that looks small, but it could be something that's really big for you. Like maybe you've been procrastinating on a task for six months and you finally got it done. And on the surface, it looks like a small task, but we know that it, it was a real struggle for you. And I think that's that's the reality for a lot of people. Sometimes these tasks that we complete seem like nothing for whatever reason, like we're just really stuck on them. And 
it's all down to the individual. Like something that's hard for me might not be hard for you. But I think we just want to celebrate some wins. So in the first seven days, I th- the plan is to have someone tweet about something they've done and sort of show a Llama Life screenshot with a hashtag. And then maybe we pick some winners and we, we send out some swag, that kind of thing. Nice. It serves a lot of different purposes. It helps engage the community. It helps the customer get some accountability. It provides some marketing as well because we'll be tweeting about it. And then once we send the swag for a winner, like hopefully they tweet about that as well. Right, and that's more yeah. marketing. So I think it ticks a lot of different boxes. And yeah, I basically look for stuff like that that ticks a lot of boxes because mm-hmm. you might as well. You might as well try and hit as many things as you can. And um, yeah, I'd like to run maybe a quick competition between now and next week. I am excited to hear how that goes. Have a great week. You too.